everybody. It is Thursday, February 6th. Oh my gosh, it's the 6th already. Uh, 2020, and you're listening to an episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brett Eisenlake, and I'm here to talk to you about car news, car culture, and car whatever. And while I will technically label this as a scrap story episode, uh, we are going to spend the entirety of this, uh, well, on a poor quality microphone and talking about uh, really these announcements that have all seemed to have come out at once about the Chicago Auto Show. Uh, Kicking things off, earlier this week was the debut of the all-new Cadillac Escalade. Uh, We technically, I think it debuted over in Los Angeles, but it will be at the Chicago Auto Show. Uh, The new Escalade is, well, exactly what you think it is. It's based on the Tahoe and the Yukon. Uh, It uses the same chassis. It uses some of the same-ish body panels. Uh, and it shares some of its powertrain. So the standard Escalade is going to come with the 6.2 liter V8 uh, with a 10-speed automatic, and you will also be able to option it with a 3-liter Duramax diesel straight six, uh, which would make this the first diesel Cadillac since the 1980s. Uh, This is a pretty big deal because I think diesel powertrains, uh, at least in these big vehicles, are great for cruising, and GM is also debuting Super Cruise on the new Escalade. Uh, This is the first application of Super Cruise outside of the Cadillac XT6, which is being retired at the end of this calendar year. And uh, the Escalade really, you know, becomes the flagship for the brand once again. Uh, One of the GM designers talked about how, uh, you know, they get to spend (coughs) all this time and money developing cars like the C8 Corvette switching mid-engine, developing, you know, incredibly high performance numbers, uh, but then, you know, they shift to other vehicles like the Escalade, and they get to do the same kind of thing, and how wonderful that is, Uh, but it also kind of is one of those damning things where, you know, so many of these wonderful GM developed technologies and applications and engines and powertrains and all that are just buried in these idiotic vehicles and it takes forever for them to get adapted to other things so seeing super cruise finally in a mainstream vehicle like an escalade is really cool um but you know it's still an escalade and that's really the hard part i think about this vehicle uh when i talk about it is that on the one hand it is so similar to the yukon and to the tahoe that smart people with maximum brain power probably go do i really want to spend a hundred grand on an escalade Mm. I think previous to this, you would have had to have been crazy to spend that kind of money on an Escalade when you could have gotten, you know, 93% the same vehicle in a Yukon Denali. Uh, What this new Escalade is, is definitely another step beyond where the new Yukon Denali leaves off. Uh, You've got that full digital screen going from just to the left of the driver's wheel to near where the passenger sits. It's a 38 inch uh, screen, LCD screen that's going to be used in the all new Escalade. Uh, It's going to do, you know, general gauge work, all that kind of stuff. Think like what Mercedes does in the S-Class, as well as all the other infotainment things. In use, I think it could be interesting, but I still have worries about cold temperature starts, things like that, the screen not really being motivated to get going, Um, you know, and as things continue to age, I'm worried about the whole dashboard not looking good, Uh, but they are saying that it is a 4K quality screen on that uh, digital dash, so it'll be interesting to see how that works long term for the vehicle. Uh, One of the other interesting things about the Escalade, at least that have been pointed out in some of the videos and photos that I've been seeing, is that it looks like 
you know, beyond each of the Tahoe, the Yukon, and the Escalade having unique interiors, it looks like Cadillac really got to step up their game in terms of quality, uh, refinement, especially when it comes to like leather and wood. Uh, fitment looks really, really good on these pre-production vehicles. Uh, I think GM kind of knows what side their bread is buttered on. And, you know, like, again, like the C8 being a halo car for the whole company, uh, the Escalade is the halo car for the halo brand. And uh, they, they know they need to knock this one out of the park, uh, especially as Lincoln has continued to step up as arguably the premier American luxury brand in the sense that they are building American luxury cars for American luxury buyers. Uh, Cadillac has its work cut out for it. And uh, the Escalade maybe might be a return to true quote-unquote American luxury uh, for historically the premier American luxury brand. Now, sticking with GM for just a moment, uh, GM also did pull the wraps off an updated Chevrolet Equinox. Uh, is it anything to get excited about? I would argue a firm no, but they did find a way to improve the looks somewhat. I have been critical of the previous Equinox for quite a while. I thought it was pretty ugly. This updated front end uh, kind of brings it more in line with a little bit of the Blazer, a little bit of the, uh, what's the big SUV, the Traverse. Um, it, it, it's, you know, it's good enough, I guess is the way I would consider it. We're also adding a new sporty RS trim uh, to the Equinox to put it again more in line with the uh, Blazer as well as the new Trailblazer. And, uh, you know, it's... It's a thing. I think you would have to be absolutely certifiably crazy to go, I want to spend $28,000 on a, you know, maybe $32,000, I don't know, twenty to thirty-two grand on a uh, smaller, quote-unquote, compact crossover and not pick a CRV or a RAV4 at this point. Uh, the Equinox just is not nearly as good. Uh, it needs a total overhaul, again, to be as competitive as it should be. Um, this basically is just putting lipstick on a pig, to say the least. Uh, so, you know, but it's a thing, and there are people who are interested in that, and, you know, yay for them. Now, sticking to American uh, car news, Jeep pulled the wraps off a new trim level uh, for, I believe it's the Wrangler and the uh, pickup truck version of the Wrangler, the Gladiator, that's what it's called. Uh, sometimes that name doesn't always ring a bell for me, and that's definitely a problem for Jeep's marketing team. Uh, this new trim level is called Mojave. Mojave is meant to be uh, more of like a desert racer style. Uh, kind of trim level. So think uh, Ford Raptor. Ford's Raptor is viewed by many people as being this extreme off-road vehicle, and in many ways it is capable in that sense, but the true way in which the vehicle was developed was to be a desert runner. So that's something where it's able to go off-road at a high rate of speed. You know, it can climb some rocks and other things, but it's, you know, bouncing on dirt roads and sand and whatever else uh, and should be able to take a pretty good beating. This new Mojave version of the Gladiator, and I think it's just in the regular Wrangler. I might be wrong on the regular Wrangler part, but at least the Gladiator for sure is getting this Mojave trim. Uh, is basically meant to do the same thing. So <coughs> it's getting a retuned uh, chassis and suspension setup that is meant to take high-speed bumps, uh, you know, 
blasting through the desert at a high rate of speed. Uh, it is also meant to get a different gear selection in it, so it does not have the super heavy-duty uh, front and rear axle that the uh, Rubicon has. Uh, they are referring to this now as desert rated instead of being trail rated. Uh, and this one, uh, I guess like it's got longer suspension travel, it's meant to be softer, it's meant to be more comfortable. Um, and then the rear axle is lockable, but the front it sounds like is not. And then the crawl ratio uh, in the uh, transfer case is significantly uh, higher than what it is, or sorry, so I guess it would be significantly lower than what it is in the uh, Rubicon. So I think like in the Rubicon, it's like a 433 or something like that. Uh, gear ratio in the transfer case for the low range. This new one is like half that. So you should be able to go significantly faster in first gear, in low range, in the Mojave, uh, just so that you can basically keep the vehicle running uh, at high rates of speed in the sand and in loose dirt. Uh, overall, you know, I think what it kind of comes down to here is that there are a lot of people who buy Jeeps, whether it's the Wrangler, whether it's the Gladiator, and they go, wow, this thing's going to be great. Look at this. It's going to be so comfortable on the road, whatever. Uh, it's definitely not the case in many instances. And it's, you know, it's because of the way that the suspension's set up. It's because of the way the shocks are tuned. Uh, it's because it's designed to crawl up over rocks and other large obstacles. This being a desert runner uh, would likely indicate that it is going to be significantly more comfortable out on the highway. Uh, the Raptor has always been known for being very good uh, out on the road. I think this is probably going to perform about the same. Uh, so I'm really excited to see how this does in a practical application. Um, but Jeep is saying that it won't be available for a while, so we know we won't be able to see anything about it for a bit. But uh, I like that they're kind of starting to split off the Gladiator and the regular Wrangler in different ways uh, to meet different buyers' needs, because <clears throat> people are always going to compare the Raptor to, well, everything at this point. Uh, but building a Gladiator to compete against the Raptor is a smart move, and I really like that from Jeep. Sticking with FCA, there was also an announcement uh, late in the day yesterday that Chrysler was going to be showing off the new 2021 Pacifica. Uh, it had been talked about for a while, getting an updated front and rear fascia, uh, potentially getting some mechanical upgrades, and it turns out, well, all of those were true and more. Uh, the big headline for the Chrysler Pacifica is that it gets an updated front end that pays homage to older Chrysler town and countries uh, from the late 90s and early 2000s. Uh, the grill side is no longer that like thin and wide grill that was shared with the Chrysler 200 uh, and the, uh, well, I guess it was just the Chrysler 200, really. Uh, this new one's going to be a little bit more in line with the 300 and, like I said, paying homage to older Chrysler town and countries. Uh, it's more of a thicker narrower oval um, and then the headlights are no longer like longer and you know wider these ones are now more kind of square looking uh, the front end I don't think is a huge re resounding success it's fine the more I look at it the more I go you know hey whatever uh, but the new back treatment I think is beautiful uh, again, it's kind of stepping away from the design features of the Chrysler 200 and moving towards uh, something that's new and fresh. And I think it looks good and aggressive in a smart way. Uh, just the same, I think the uh, interior reappointments to the Pacifica uh, go a really long way to making this car look absolutely fantastic. Uh, 
Chrysler is introducing an all-new 10.1-inch touchscreen on the dashboard that is standard across all trim levels of the Pacifica. Uh, just the same, they are also introducing a new trim level called the Pinnacle Trim that goes beyond, I think it's the previous limited model. Uh, this new uh, Pinnacle trim is basically going to include, you know, super high-quality leather. Uh, it's got this really interesting quilting detail around the outside edges of the seats. Uh, it's got lumbar support in the back with, like, these little pillows that also have that same, like, uh, quilted pattern down the sides. It is mind-blowing how good this Pinnacle trim looks. Like, it is just crazy to me that this thing looks as awesome as it does. Uh, I'm really proud of Chrysler for pulling this thing together because I loved the Pacifica as it was. This new version is just the bee's knees. Now the other piece de la resistance is of course that they are offering all-wheel drive for the first time on the Pacifica. Uh, this new uh, all-wheel drive system is kind of a takeoff of what they've had on other vehicles in the past. Uh, it's an auto disconnect rear axle system that uh, drives up efficiency. But what Chrysler did is they've tuned the system, at least in the Pacifica, to not only be able to do like, you know, a primarily front wheel drive uh, setup, but the car can kick 100% of the vehicle's power and torque to the rear axle when needed, uh, which basically means you can start drifting in this minivan in some ways. Uh, there's videos online of this thing going around corners in the snow uh, at their proving grounds and just kicking up whale tails of snow, uh, getting completely sideways. This thing is gonna rip with this system. Uh, I am just blown away that Chrysler has done this kind of work on a powertrain. Uh, other than that, you know, the, the V6 is going unchanged. It's still the same 9-speed automatic. Uh, I'm sure that the 9-speed automatic is going to be retuned again to uh, shake out those uh, performance issues, at least in terms of shift quality and other things. Uh, as I understand it, it's been less bad in the Pacifica compared to other vehicles, um, but I'm sure this new version in 2021 will be just a little bit better. Uh, Chrysler also announced that the uh, hybrid system is going to be available as an option on all trim levels going forward. So the Chrysler Pacifica hybrid will no longer be a separate model in the lineup. It'll just be available in every trim level. Now, the one unfortunate thing is that if you choose the hybrid system, you are not going to be able to get all-wheel drive. Uh, I had, like many, assumed that they would be adapting the uh, four-wheel E, the 4WE system from the Jeeps and putting it on the Pacifica uh, going forward, but it looks like as of right now that is not the case. So if you want to get a full-tilt Chrysler Pacifica Pinnacle all-wheel drive, there's a good chance that vehicle is going to ring up well north of $50,000, uh, putting it in contention with some pretty heavy-hitting entry-level luxury SUVs. Uh, I have a feeling that Chrysler is going to be bringing uh, the heat to this party. Uh, it's it's Wow, just what a crazy thing. It, it blew car Twitter away this morning. Uh, I'm, I'm so happy with the work that they've done, uh, and I, I can't wait to see it in person, to say the least. <clears throat> Now, moving to Japanese car announcements, uh, Honda pulled the wraps off an updated Civic Type R. Uh, the main takeaways are we're getting a new blue color. I'm totally forgetting the name of the blue. It's kind of like an electric blue, almost a light blue. Um, 
the shade is fine. I think it's, you know, it's okay. Nothing really to write home about. Uh, they are also introducing some uh, tweaks to the front and rear fascia of the car uh, to adapt better cooling, and they're retuning the uh, shocks, struts, and uh, stiffening some other little bits to basically make the ride a little more supple, but not lose any handling characteristics. And they're also retuning the brakes for better brake feel. Um, you know, it's it's the typical, you know, couple of year run where you get some tweaks that after getting feedback from owners and drivers and other things. So, you know, good for Honda. The Civic Type Bar is still a, you know, bruiser out there uh, for not much money. So I think you're still getting a very good deal by selecting that as a high performance daily driver. Toyota has a slew of announcements as well. Um, they're introducing a new Night Black, Black Knight, I think it's Black Knight trim uh, to the Tacoma, the Forerunner, and the Sequoia. Basically, it's just blacking out a lot of uh, trim pieces on the vehicle. It looks pretty good, you know, nothing super duper crazy there. Um, I think they kind of know what buyers are going to be going for that. I think it's a lot of aftermarket people who are doing this kind of stuff. So Toyota's just going well, you know, why don't we do this out of the factory uh, and just make it so people can keep their warranty kind of thing. <coughs> Excuse me, not, 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 not a horrible thing to do on their behalf. Uh, the other thing that Toyota announced is a new uh, trail uh, package on the pickup trucks that basically are going to set themselves up as the intermediary between like the SR5 trim level uh, and the TRD uh, trims up above it. So this new trail package will take some of the four-wheel drive niceties that the SR5 has, you know, with like skid plates, uh, a little bit of a taller suspension, more off-roady tires, um, but it'll add some of the TRD TRD gear from the higher trucks. Uh, a lot of cases it's basically taking the wheels from the TRD uh, Pros, putting them on there, doing a little bit of a less aggressive rubber, uh, still doing like some locking differentials but not the full suspension suite that the TRD models come with. Basically Toyota's argument is that a lot of people are buying the TRD Pros, the TRD whatevers, and never really using the off-road potential. They just want to have this trail-ready looking vehicle uh, to go off-road, light off-road with, when instead they could save thousands of dollars and just buy this thing that, you know, somewhat looks the part uh, and has some of the capability, um, but is significantly cheaper. Uh, the other thing that they're kind of focusing in on with these is special edition colors, uh, similar to the TRD trucks uh, and also some special equipment that, uh, <coughs> excuse me, maybe is a little more enticing. <coughs> oh my god, I'm dying. Uh, for uh, campers and other things like that. So uh, one that comes to mind is like, at least with a Forerunner, there's some kind of special edition cooler that comes with the truck that's painted to look like the truck uh, for the Tacoma. Uh, it's the there's like the side-mounted container things that's pretty popular, a lot of trucks. Uh, one of them actually is a built-in cooler. Uh, more or less Toyota is saying that they want to target like campers with this kind of thing, uh, which is an interesting proposition. I, I, I go, you know, I, I wish more brands would do this, where they give you some of the off-road looks, but not all of the performance for not a lot of money. Um, I think that's a good, smart way to position these vehicles. And I'm looking forward to seeing if they are still as capable as what they should be uh, off-road uh, in the not-too-distant future.
Uh, Toyota also announced that they are doing an XSE version of the Highlander SUV. Uh, the XSE trim, of course, is the top performance trim uh, for a lot of their vehicles across the Toyota lineup. Uh, this new XSE package gives the Highlander a pretty aggressive front and rear end treatment uh, that is definitely more sporty. It is blacked out to some extent, just like the Camry and the Avalon uh, and the Corolla. Uh, and, you know, I'd say it looks good. You know, again, it's one of those things where I don't know if I would buy any trim level other than the Limited for the Highlander. I know, obviously, money is a thing, but the luxury appointments in the Highlander make more sense than the sporty ones. But, you know, if you want the blacked out trim and you want it to look a little more aggressive, all the power to you to make that kind of decision with the Highlander XSE. Last of the Japanese vehicle announcements uh, is the 2020 Nissan Frontier. Nissan is, uh, well, kind of sort of teasing us for the next-gen frontier. Uh, the next-gen frontier is coming next year to North America. We still don't know what kind of chassis it's on. We still don't know what it's going to look like. Presumably it's going to be similar to the Titan, but who knows. Uh, but this new quote-unquote 2020 Frontier is still the same truck that dates back to 2006. Uh, it's still got all the same trim pieces inside. It's still got the same bits and bobs on the outside, but what they're doing is they're introducing the new powertrain for the new Frontier with this 2020 model, uh, basically giving uh, them some data back on the reliability and dependability of this new setup. Uh, what we are getting is an adaption of the Nissan Titan's 9-speed automatic, uh, that same transmission has also been in the Patrol and Armada for quite some time. Uh, it'll be bolted to an all-new 3.8-liter V6 that produces 310 horsepower. That is class-leading horsepower rating, and I'm completely blanking on what the torque rating was, but uh, more or less... Nissan is trying to shake up the game with Ford and the Ranger and Chevy with the Colorado uh, and obviously Toyota with the Tacoma uh, by, you know, having a powertrain that's going to be competent in the advanced pickup truck battles that are going on right now. Uh, this new 3.8 liter sounds like it is based still on the old VQ V6 platform. Uh, it is a smaller displacement than the outgoing 4 liter, but uh, with better compression, uh, fuel injection, and so much else. Uh, this is a pretty advanced engine, and as far as at least I can remember, and many other auto journalists can remember, this is the first time in maybe ever that an all-new drivetrain has debuted in an older car before the new vehicle actually comes out. Uh, it's, it's a weird thing. It's a smart move by Nissan. I think uh, it lets people get an idea of what this powertrain is going to be. It lets them get that data back. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, if you wanted to buy a cheap pickup truck with a nice powertrain, advanced powertrain, but not deal with all the other electronics, gizmos, gadgets, and other things on the inside, uh, the Frontier still seems like a smart choice to make, uh, especially with that new engine and transmission. Uh, they also had a vehicle on display at the show. It's been covered by a few other things. Uh, it's a Nissan Frontier from 2007 that's covered a million miles. It's still got the original engine. It's still got the original transmission. Uh, it's had obvious parts replaced, like the clutch, uh, the timing chain, uh, a few other things. And uh, it's an incredible feat of engineering for Nissan, for any car company, to have a vehicle that hits a million miles. Uh, and, you know, being a Frontier and not a 
you know, a Toyota Tundra or a Lexus LS. Uh, it's surprising to me because I guess I don't always think of the Frontier as this super premium, reliable vehicle. So good for them, I say, uh, in regards to that. And uh, yeah, trying to think of what else is here for the uh, announcements. Um, Korean cars. The only thing I can see right now with the Korean cars, we got two. Woo! There we go. Uh, the all-new Hyundai Sonata Hybrid is coming for the 2021 model year. We already know what the new Sonata is. It's a beautiful execution for a midsize sedan. Uh, comes in a wide variety of beautiful colors, beautiful body shapes, has great little elements of design scattered throughout, and the new hybrid model is going to be rated for 52 miles per gallon average by the EPA when it comes out next year. Uh, how they're doing that is not completely known. Uh, it will be in the base trim blue version of the Sonata Hybrid. So it'll be the Sonata Hybrid blue in the same way that there's the Hyundai Ionic blue. Uh, the Hyundai Sonata blue saves about 100 pounds compared to the upper trim level models, which uh, have hybrid ratings that drop not quite 10 mpg, uh, but at least five or six in most applications. Uh, the hybrid blue uses special tires, wheels, uh, aero tricks, and other things to maintain this rating. And, uh, you know, depending on what the standard equipment is, <clears throat> I think the blue would be the one to get. But uh, upper trim models are going to get a solar roof uh, as an available option, I think. I don't believe it's standard. Uh, that solar roof is gonna be able to add two miles of electric, electric range to the vehicle per day that it sits in the sun, uh, which is pretty interesting. So assuming it's like other Honda, or Hyundai and Kia hybrid systems from before, um, you could likely travel up to like 50 some odd miles an hour uh, on electric power alone for a couple miles at a time. I know in the last Hyundai Ionic Blue that I drove, uh, I think I was able to get the car up to, I think it was like 52 or 55 miles an hour completely on electricity for almost a mile and a half before the gas engine kicked on and took over. Uh, these systems are pretty good and they're using an updated six-speed automatic manual transmission uh, with this hybrid system <clears throat> that's going to deliver a little bit more performance capability as in like, you know, better shifts, smoother shifts, uh, a little less stuttering from a stop. Uh, I, I'm pretty excited to see what this Sonata Hybrid ends up doing. Uh, like again, like many other Hondas and Kias out there today, I love what they're doing. They're doing an absolutely incredible job uh, keeping their cars up to date and generally outclassing a lot of their competition. So uh, with the Toyota Camry Hybrid square in its sights, I think Hyundai's got a clear winner here. Uh, but we will have to see once the car officially goes on sale later this year. The only other bit of Hyundai and Kia news going on actually comes out of Kia. Uh, Kia is showing off uh, some urban off-road concepts of the new Seltos crossover. Uh, the Seltos is supposed to officially go on sale in March, but apparently there are Seltos models already out at dealers. Uh, here in West Michigan, apparently there are four or five of them floating around uh, between some different dealers locations. Uh, I don't know if we talked about the Seltos at length on the show. I'm pretty sure I did in a previous episode, but uh, 
with pricing announced, you know, you're looking at 25, 26 grand for a very well-equipped Seltos from Kia. Uh, these concept models uh, look like they have the turbocharged engine uh, and the four-wheel drive option. Uh, they, they look great. They've got like, you know, these rally-style wheels with off-road tires, a little bit of a suspension lift, a roof rack with lights and all these things. Uh, they're real cool, to say the least. Uh, so definitely, if you're going to be in Chicago, give those things a check over because uh, they give you some pretty wild ideas of things that you could do with a new Seltos. Uh, the other announcement coming out of Kia is that they are updating the Cadenza for the 2021 model year, I think it's officially is it's going to be out later this year uh, more or less what they're doing is they're modernizing the interior of the cadenza the uh, no major mechanical changes for the car um, but they are giving it the all-new 10.1 inch horizontal touchscreen from the telluride and many other cars uh, that's going to go in there so they've redesigned the whole dash given a little bit more of a premium look and feel uh, overall still solidifying the cadenza as one of the best affordable luxury cars out there um, i mean you put it neck to neck with you know any S350 or, you know, an Acura TLX, uh, I think you'd be pleasantly surprised uh, <clears throat> for about 50 grand, you know, actually less than 50 grand, uh, you're getting a really solid vehicle. And uh, I really can't fault Kia for anything to do with the Cadenza. It sucks that one of the headlines on one of the stories I read is like, it still exists. Um, it is a slow seller for Kia. They still sell more of them than they do the K900. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's a good car. It's worth a look if you're interested in something of that size. Anyway, uh, boy, you know, I think that's about it for the Chicago Auto Show so far. Uh, I'm sure there will be more announcements as the days and weeks go on. I believe the show officially starts on Saturday or Sunday. Um, it's a weird way that some of these things work out, but the press has been there for a day or two, apparently, testing things out, checking things out. So as more news comes, I will be sure to report it. Uh, but until next time, guys, I hope you have a fantastic rest of your week, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Salvage Title Podcast.